On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yes, good morning and welcome again to Sky Sports Radio and this is Monday's Experts, the story behind the name where we profile some of racing's characters and also participants involved in the industry. My guest today is Brooke Stour. Brooke is a New South Wales based jockey. She's won 81 and a half races in New South Wales this season. She's a very hard working jockey, covers a, a lot of territory in the car, but she does it with passion and always with a smile, which I love as well. Good morning, Brooke. Morning, Luke. Great to have you on. Um, you've had a, a super season since you've returned to the saddle off injury. 81 and a half wins this season. That's a, a pretty good tally. Yeah, thanks, Luke. It's, it's been great to be back. And honestly, me and my manager, Nathan Daniels, at the start of the season actually set the goal for 50. My best ever season was 63. So we thought 50 would be great just to, you know, after a 12-month layoff. And uh, to get to 81 and a half winners, I pinched myself. I could not believe it. You've knocked it out of the park. And you love this industry, don't you? You absolutely love your job. I do. And, you know, I get asked a lot, like... Honestly, when I did break, before I broke my back, I'd, you know, been in the game a long while and, and, and seen a lot of people get injured and been injured myself. And I actually did think to myself, if I ever was to have a really bad injury, like I did watch um, the two work riders in Toowoomba break their backs, and um, but they never walked again, unfortunately. They were, they were really bad. And um, I sort of thought to myself that if I ever had a really, really bad injury like breaking the back, I probably wouldn't come back. But my mum actually asked me three days after I did initially break my back and said, you know, is this it? And I never had any doubt in my mind that I'd be back. Incredible. And it's an industry that can be testing and trying at times. And you've displayed that resilience to, to make your comeback. And we're going to talk about the accident in 2020 in a moment and, and what it was like for you to sort of make that comeback. But I want to find out where it all began for you as well, Brooke. When was the first time you ever sat on a horse? Uh, look, I've rode, I've rode horses pretty much since I was a little girl. Um, I've been horse mad. Uh, mum and dad used to, my, my family, mum and dad, my mum's family are uh, big into camp drafting. So um, as a little girl, they'd put me on a horse and I'd uh, be in a real pain to get off when I'd scream my head off. So that's where it initially started. I um, started out on, on quiet ponies and we had a, we had a couple of really nice horses growing up and camp drafting and winning junior and juveniles and 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 whatnot and it was always a childhood dream to be a jockey and at one point I just wasn't sure I went to school went to grade 12 got into uh, uni for law and accounting I'm pretty passionate about law and um, got into that and I ended up uh, taking a a gap year which um, my hairdresser at the time Jackie Compton was a horse trainer and and I kind of asked them how I could get into the racing industry, and, and I went from there. That's so interesting. And where were you at, at that point? Where were your parents doing the camp drafting? And was that the initial interest for you before you sort of uh, decided maybe you'd go down the jockey path? Oh, definitely. I definitely wanted to um, leave school and probably go up on a station and, and be the best I could be at camp drafting. And it was interesting. I... Um, didn't see too much money or you know at the time in that kind of thing like I mean camp drafting booming now but back you know 10 years ago it wasn't near as big and you couldn't sort of make a real good earn off it so that's why I kind of kind of went to, to the uh, to the racehorses and 
I did a lot of camp drafting up in Queensland um, around the Toowoomba area. That's where my family is initially from. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. I um, yeah, it, it, it honestly, I don't think anything can prepare you for the racehorse industry, but. No, that's exactly right. It's a it's a roller coaster, as we often hear that cliche thrown around. There's there's plenty of ups and downs, but being around the horses in those early days, you, you mentioned that you had that love for the animal always, and I think that sets you up well for the industry that we're involved in because of those highs and lows. You've you've almost got to have that root love for the for the horse to start with to to cope with all those ups and downs, don't you? Oh, one hundred percent. You've got to you've really got to love the animal. As you said, the the race, the, the thoroughbred game in general is just a ruthless game, and you know you can be on, you know you can go from the penthouse to the pig house in in a, in a second. So you know you definitely got to have a real passion for horses, and I've always had that, and you know, and even even the the passion to go fast and, and that winning instinct also. You have got to be competitive in this game, otherwise you just it chews you up and spits you out. So yeah, I had a really good grounding to start off with um, with the horses and. And um, it, it does help. It definitely does. Like, I take my hat off to them people that just come off the street and, and never have seen a, seen a horse before and let alone, you know, get on one and ride one. It did definitely set me up. And, um, yeah, so I've been very lucky. Absolutely. You're a horsewoman and, and those camp drafting uh, days would have set you up well for your riding career, as you mentioned. Your uncle was a, a former jockey as well. Did, did your uncle have any influence on you sort of heading down the race riding path? not really um like he was obviously road rough habit and I, I knew all of that and I knew he was a very successful jockey but he kind of never really spoke about it you know sort of um yeah oh actually my grandfather was probably a, a massive a massive part of it I mean we used to go out there once or twice a week he lit, had a, a farm out at um Felton um towards Toowoomba there and he was big into the stock horses and um and he didn't mind the race horses either he had a few of them in his time and he bred and owned a few and raced a few. So there would always be the racing channels, Sky Racing and Beyond out there, and we'd be watching horses all the time. So I think that's exactly, I think that's who really got me started. And, and um, you know, and he used to breed stock horses out of thoroughbred mares, and he had a few who actually had Allendale King and, and all them horses back in that in them days. So, yeah, I think that's where the, the passion sort of started because Kyle loved, loved the thoroughbred industry. I can certainly relate to that, having the racing on 24-7 in my household growing up. So you've been doing the camp drafting. You're growing up there in Toowoomba, and you take the gap year. Talk us through the gap year and what transpired uh, during that time. Yeah, look, I ended up um, starting a traineeship with Jackie and Wayne Crompton um, during that time. I was It was, it was hard because I um, was also working another job to pay the bills at IGA um, in Pittsworth, and... So I'd get up at 1.30 in the morning. Um, I'd get to Jackie and Wayne's at about 2 with loads of trucks. Um, we'd go to Toowoomba, work the 6 or 10 horses they end up taking in. And then uh, we'd go home and I'd either quickly go home, I'd do an 8 till 5, and I'd quickly go home, have a shower and, and work the rest of the day and or a 10 till 7. So I got a bit of a nap, but we were sort of home by 7. And, yeah, that was sort of me for 12 months. Um, I didn't, you know, it was so hard it was really hard the first 12 months of riding racehorses like as anyone starting out can uh can sympathize with me at the time holy i just didn't realize i i'd never been involved i've never rode really in anything other than a stock saddle um so transitioning to a, a track work saddle and 
you know, wanting horses to pull. Well, we don't want our camps or draft horses to pull too hard. Um, so, yeah, just learning the absolute basics. And there were times that I just thought, oh, this is just too hard. I'm going to die on these buggers. But, yeah, I guess I was determined. And, um, you know, Jackie and Wayne, they did look after me at that point in time as well. So, you know, I had a – it was it was tough. I come off. I come off more than I sat on, I think. So, <laughs> I I, through rails, I, oh, man, it was, it was a real introduction. So, I think, um, yeah, that, that set me up because, yeah, it was just tough straight off the bat for me. The hours, Brooke, though, um, that's quite... So, you, you, when you started out, you were still working a job there at the IGA. So, you'd, you'd ride track work um, up at 1.30 in the morning. That's quite extraordinary. Uh, that's even early by horse racing terms. And then after that, you'd, you'd go and do a little bit more work, post-track work. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Honestly, I look back at it and I was, I'd was i work seven days. Like, I was just a workaholic back then. And it was honestly, I, I it was just to live at that point. Like, the traineeship wage was terrible and, and I wasn't getting paid much better at IGA either. Um, wow. So I had to do it to, to make ends meet and pay the rent and, and eat. And, um, yeah, honestly, it set me up because it made sure that I had a good work ethic, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, so you, you're doing that. How long was it before you had your first race ride? You, so you started with the traineeship, you're working two jobs, you're getting up at Sparrows in the morning. How long was it then before you actually rode in a trial and then got to race day? I think it was about 18 months later. Um, I eventually went to um, Pony Sears and that's when I was able to um, quit my IGA job as he took me on as a full-time apprentice. And um, it was, you know, his horses were really good. It was a good, really good learning. Um, he, he helped me out a lot, um, scrubbing up on a few things. And I eventually got to the races in actually 27th of July in, in 20, 2013. I actually, the first race meeting I was supposed to ride at was St. George and it got washed out, which was absolutely, I was, I was devastated. But anyway, it turned out the next weekend we went to, to Cunnamulla, which was, I think, a seven-hour trip from Toowoomba. We thought, honestly thought our throat was cut. We went the day before. Um, and <laughs> it was a, uh, it was one of the best tracks ever to start on because it's a big open track. I honestly didn't have much knowledge on anything. Like, back in back in 2013, you were just thrown in the deep end. Um, you know, like, I was lucky at the time. I, had, I was dating a bloke who kind of knew a little bit more about the racing game than I did, so he helped me out a lot with that respect. But I'll never forget that first day, that first horse I rode was Mr. Fireshoes. He was a maidener. Um, he hadn't got close to the field. And honestly, I'd done a lot of trials, a lot of jump outs, but nothing could prepare me for that first race ride. I just hung on for dear life, and I think he just run through the bridle. <laughs> and, and, and how did he go? Yeah, he ended up winning. Yep, he won. Only, yep, his only uh, career win, and um, it was an absolute thrill. I probably should have rode a double. The second horse, if I'd have got at it, I reckon it wins too, but I just, I'll never forget that, you know, Charlotte Wall, you know, giving my first ever winner and I'll never forget them people because they were just as thrilled as I was. Mum and Dad were out there. It was, it was a great time and yeah, just not a, nothing, nothing like that winning feeling, even though I blinked and I bloody missed it and luckily the horse knew what he was doing. But yeah, Mr. Fireshoes is a horse I'll never forget, that's for sure. Uh, bless him, Mr. Fireshoes. And having had that instant success, winning uh, in on your first day in the saddle, did that make that 18 months of very hard work, as you'd outlined, worth it? It did. It did. Finally, I'd got there. I felt like I'd made it. <laughs> For the first 18 months, I felt like I hadn't. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, to be to get to the races was just yeah phenomenal. After a lot of the time, I thought I was going to die in a racehorse because I was just always out of control. I was bolting. I'm pretty sure everyone in Swimber thought I was never going to make it alive. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, tell it. Yeah, it was it was great. And, and you know, from there, I didn't really appreciate at the time how big of a thing that was because I was not involved in the racing game. And you know, looking back on it, wow, I, I, it was a massive achievement. Oh, absolutely it was. You said something before that piqued my interest. You you mentioned the difference between riding the in the stock saddle, as you put it, when you were camp drafting to the race day pad or track work pads that they they ride in. Talk us through the difference in, in, in what you're experiencing as a rider when you've got to make that transition from the bigger saddle to the smaller saddle because you guys are perched up there and balance and strength is a big part of it, isn't it? Wow, you just use a lot more. Like I've gone back to riding, I've got a, um, a horse of my own, I've gone back to riding in a stock saddle now. And, and the amount of different muscles you use in both disciplines is crazy. Like, yeah, it's just it's just whole different level. Like in camp drafting, you you know, you want your weight in your feet and, you know, you hold on with your feet. You don't put, you know, you try and be soft hands. Whereas in the in the old racehorse game, we want them to, you know, collect up into the bridle. You know, we, we kind of balance on our hands a little bit more and, you know, your weight's a lot further forward. So it was massive um, to go. And even from just a, a track work saddle to a race day saddle is even different. Again, we ride a lot shorter. There's a lot less there. Um, so, yeah, that was what I struggled with the most. And, you know, with, with camp draft horses, you don't you don't grab a breastplate or anything. You know, you you balance back on, on, on your legs. And whereas the old, uh, the old race horses, I didn't realise you could grab the breastplate for the first 12 months. I think I was just... I was raining them up and yeah, just a just a whole different different feel and and even now going back to a stock saddle, I find it super hard because yeah, it's just a whole level, lot lot of different muscles and a lot a different balance as well. It's fascinating. So your apprenticeship, you started with Tony Sears. You did some time under Rob Heathcote as well. Um, I'm sure you copped the odd spray from Rob. He's um, he's one of the best. He can give one. Talk us through your apprenticeship and then the the transition to becoming a senior jockey yeah look tony set me up really well i actually i wish i didn't have outrode my claim as quick as i did um my my country and provincial claim went i think within 18 months and then then i was left sort of hanging and and then so i decided to um, go to rob heathcote and um honestly he was great to work for i was at at a very good stage where buffering was he won the one in Dubai, and and he was really great. I was actually I never really copped the spray off Rob, to be honest. I was one wow, of the lucky ones. He just took me off. So too good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but honestly, he was great to work for. On I was like a caged wine in Brisbane. I can't I can't tolerate the 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 concrete everywhere. So that's when I decided to to sort of go back to Toowoomba, and I actually went back to to Mark Curry at the time and. He was, he was really good. He he treated me like a daughter. We'd uh, we'd fight like cat and dog, but I tell you what, a lot of the things he was saying at the time was right, and I've been able to go back and, and say, well, you were right, Mark, and he said, I know. But, yeah, at the time, oh, wow, he was he was a hard man, but he also, you know, loved me like a daughter, and, and we still we still talk regularly. But um, I was so terrified of coming out of my time, like, wow, that's a massive step. I was going diseased at the time, couldn't buy myself a ride. Um, I'd come back, I'd break my elbow, come back from injury. I think I'd rode like 10 winners for the season. I was just going terrible. Um, my attitude was shit. My personal life was probably half breaking down as well. So it wasn't great, but um, 
I ended up going to uh, my partner at the time. He he wanted to go home. His family lived at Ballina, so we went back there. It's a beautiful part of the world, and we worked with Stephen Lee for a bit, and that sort of didn't work out, and my relationship sort of ended with uh, with the bloke at the time. So I made the move to um, Grafton, and I, I just honestly still couldn't get a ride. I was going back to Queensland, riding at the non-tabs just to make a living. I just couldn't break in anywhere, and it wasn't until... Actually, Josh Oliver, um, I was close. I was apprenticed to Mark Curry at the same time he was, and he went to Tamworth and he said, look, uh, there's a lot of work, you know, like there wasn't too much work to ride in Grafton at the time. And and so I um, I ended up uh, moving to Tamworth just, just for a work riding opportunity, to be honest. Um, and from there, I was able to, yeah, start a run on. I've got to say too, Brookie, uh, we're chatting to Brooks now, uh, you, you're a gem. Uh, some of the one-liners in that little <laughs> explanation, you're pretty hard on yourself how you were going, coming out of your pre- apprenticeship. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> honestly the truth. I was, I was deceived. Oh, God, it was terrible. What was the what was the turning point? So you you lobbed there at Tamworth, and uh, and you, you mentioned that you started to get a roll on. What was the turning point that really got you going? Well, actually, my turning point was probably I went to Mungandai for Pete Sinclair. And yep. um, uh, that sort of Great got me Pete. going, I think. Um, yeah. He sort of started getting a bit of momentum um, for me, and I started riding winners at Moree, and, and it just sort of went from there. I sort of gained a real good um, partnership with Pete. Actually, what the turning point was is I changed my managers to Nathan Daniels. He, honestly, he's done an enormous job. Um, I was going really bad when I went to him, and... Um, he had a few few dockies at the time that were, you know, that were going pretty average as well, and he got them going. So I give him a call, and he said, "Oh, geez, I'll, I'll think about it." And he ended up getting back to me, and I'm so grateful he took me on because without him and and being able to form some partnerships, I'd be nowhere. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, you, you need a good team behind you, don't you? It's a, uh, it's very important to have that person you can bounce off. And all jockey managers, they they do a good job in, I guess, helping jockeys through the, the lower times too. When you have a poor day at the office, you need to get it, blow a bit of steam off, and they're a great outlet to do that. So, uh, Peter Sinclair, you've continued to ride for and had great success over a, a long period of time. And at the start of this interview, you mentioned uh, you had that bad injury and you, you spoke to your parents that if you ever had a, a bad fall, that you wouldn't come back. So talk us through that mounting yard accident uh, there at Grafton in 2020 and, and what transpired uh, not only during that time but your comeback after that accident. Yeah, look, so it was just a normal day as anyone, you know, going to the races. It was actually a double meeting. So there was a Grafton and a Tamworth meeting and, and Brett Kavanagh, I'd just started riding for him a little bit out the west and he'd offered me a full book at Tamworth but um, I'd been assured that this horse called Ainbridge at Grafton was, was a machine and was just going to win. So we opted to go to Grafton at the time. And, um, yeah, I went to Grafton, rolled in like any other normal day. And uh, actually, Sammy McGurran was uh, legging us on at the time. And, and she'd done a lot of work with the horse. And as she legged me up, she goes, this will be the quietest ride you ride all day. And I was like, sweet, how good. Legged me on. And then uh, we did a couple of laps. and. The horse, honestly, it was just one of those things. Um, he just, yeah, the strap was sort of just half just jagged on his head and he didn't like it and he went up and I knew I was in a lot of trouble. I'd never been that high on a rare ever. Um, he just went straight up and, and over and I was lucky he didn't land on me, to be honest. Um, 
anyway, as soon as I hit the ground, I was just in so much pain. I knew I knew something had, had gone wrong and I was just screaming in pain. And, and the horse ended up flipping over and he hurt himself pretty bad too. He had a, I think it was like a footy-sized um, hematoma on, on his on his behind. So he was he was also lucky. But I was so lucky in a lot of respects that day because uh, I sort of, once it sort of settled down, I'd... I'd sort of regained his breath and I could all I could feel my legs and and my arms I could feel everything and and um you know I, I love love the ambulance officers but this this uh, one particular ambulance officer sort of was like oh like I felt okay and 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 whatnot and I didn't want to hold the races up there I'm having trouble getting second ambulance and I said oh, I'll just see if I can get up and luckily all my abdominal muscles had gone weak um because if I'd have got up I'd definitely definitely wouldn't be walking today so I was just so lucky in so many respects so um I was able they took me to Grafton and and honestly I, I felt okay when I got to Grafton I said oh I've got good rides tomorrow can you can you please um you know start of the season too um I'd had I'd rode a heap of winners for the month so I was looking to ride my hundred um and um I said to him at uh, Grafton can you please do scans and just make sure everything's right like I got a right I've got good rides the next day and I felt okay, and I, I wasn't far off getting out of bed, to be honest. And and then um, I, a doctor rushed out, rushed out of the room and said, "Don't move. Whatever you do, do not move. Um, this is very serious. We're going to fly you somewhere." And I was like, "Holy!" Like, and they're like, "Yeah, don't move. If you move, this, this you might not ever feel your legs again." And and it wasn't until I was lucky enough to I said, "Okay, they were going to fly me to Queensland because New South uh, Sydney didn't want to take me because it was COVID, but." I was lucky enough. I tell you what, New South Wales Racing have the best, you know, medical team. And and on it, I'd true credit to Dr. Cree. Um, I got straight on to Duckworth, um, and he had a look at the scan. Got onto Dr. Cree, who said, "Yep, I want her in Sydney." I was um, then air ambulance took me from Grafton to Sydney, and and most surgeons would have operated, which would have um, ended my career. Um, I, I'm very very lucky. Um, wow. So we, um, oh, at the time, I thought, oh, yeah, broken back. Like, it was a birth fracture. And 20% of my vertebrae had gone towards my spinal cord, and, and it was very, it was leaning on it. So, you know, thanks to Dr. Cree, he eventually said, well, well do you want to try this way? Like, um, I think uh, surgery would, would end your career. Um, so we were able to go back to a method used back a long time ago, a long time ago. And we actually moved the fracture back onto the vertebrae um, with a pillow, which doesn't sound too too drastic, but holy, I've never been in so much pain in my entire life. Um, I just, I asked, oh, I'd, morphine wasn't even killing the pain. I just was in so much pain. But um, the pain eventually settled like the next day. I lied, I lied flat for 10 days and then they put a razor cast on. Um, and they put a strap behind me, pulled, make sure my fracture was in place. And I wore a cast, a RZA cast, which was a t-shirt cast for seven and a half weeks, which was, yeah, it was, it was mentally, it was challenging because, oh, you're just trapped in the cast. I just didn't realize at the time what it was. And it was four and a half kilos and, you know, you couldn't eat too much because you'd bloat and, you know, and I was lucky I had my mum, she, she come down over the border and, and helped me out because I couldn't bend or anything. I had no balance, um, you know, to lean down and just the simple things was really hard. And so, um, and then I eventually, after seven and a half weeks, I went uh, back down, they cut that off. I lay flat for another three days while they made another TLSO brace and then 
I spent another seven weeks in there and I tell you what, the best day of my life when I was able to ditch the braces, I'll give you the tip and have my body back. Oh, yeah. it was great. So, no, it was, a, it was a big, big road and I'm so glad to Dr. Cree for not rushing it. He would not let me rush it. Um, I would have rushed it for sure. I've rushed every other injury, but he wouldn't let me rush it. He said, this is your back. Like, you broke this at 100% and come back at 100% just in case the same thing happened. Um, no. And I was lucky because I come back and... Uh, first month I was back, I actually had a race ball down the straight at Scone. So I was lucky, luckily fine from it. It's just an incredible story. And as you mentioned earlier, you didn't like Brisbane. You're a country girl and you're quite active. Being laid up as you were and the brace, which restricted your movement so much, you mentioned the mental challenge. It, It would have just been boredom more than anything too, Brooke, just not being able to do too much, as you said. Oh, for sure. And just breathing, like, Every time I took, I couldn't take a deep breath. I got the hiccups so much because I just couldn't get a, enough air in. And, oh, it was just, honestly, it was so claustrophobic. I'd get up in the middle of the night and it was in summer too. So I'd mm. sweat a lot. Like, oh, it was honestly the hardest time of my life in that race. Like, oh, I still get get nightmares sometimes. Totally. Um, and anxiety sometimes at midnight when that. Yeah, just the thought of that, just being trapped in that again, holy. If I had to do it again, I don't think I would. I'd think I'd opt for surgery. But, yeah, I'm glad I didn't because, geez, I've come back really well and I have not felt my back the entire time. That's amazing. And as you said, great jockeys have great support in New South Wales when, when things go amiss. But what changed for you? You mentioned that if you, you thought earlier in your career if something like that happened, you that would be it. What changed for you that made you determined to, to get back in the saddle? I love racing, and I just couldn't imagine myself doing anything else at that at that time. Um, I'd had a lot more that I wanted to to do, yeah. And yeah, I just, I actually, I uh, when Dr. Cree, I honestly thought, oh, three to six months, this will be, you know, I'll be back racing. And when he said, I um, asked him three days after the accident. Obviously, I'd finally made a, a medical plan up, and and I said to him like, oh, how long? And he said 12 months and I just burst out crying. I thought to myself, holy, like, what am I going to do for 12 months? Like, this is crazy. But I was luckily I was in a spinal ward with a, a couple of, with a bloke in particular who was in a, in a motorbike accident. He'd actually been run off the road by an old person. And um, unfortunately he broke his neck and he, he could only, yeah, he, he was lucky to, he could still use his hands slightly, but he was lucky to, he couldn't feel from his, from his nipples down so it sort of put life into perspective and yeah I just never once if I thought if I had to think about it I definitely wouldn't have come back for that I just never never give it a second thought amazing and you you mentioned what what am I going to do for 12 months what did you do you mentioned at the start of our interview that you have a bit of an interest in law and and studies outside of of racing did you look back at any of that or, or further your studies anymore once you were well enough to do so or how did you fill in the time no, actually, I'd been working for a long time. Um, since I pretty much left school, I'd hardly had any time off. So I made it a priority to just freshen up and just go and see my family and see my sister and see my brother and spend time with everyone, like quality time, and, and go back and, you know, go out, you know, and just have a bit of a life, like, um, you know, just talk to people. We get, we get in this game and, and it's a vicious cycle. Like, it's a seven-day kind of thing and, a, and you know, you've got to watch your weight and whatnot, whereas when I was out, I didn't have to. So um, it was really good. I actually went up to my sister at Monto and, um, yeah, I, I just enjoyed life. I did a bit of a barista thing at one stage just to kill some time. They 
they told me how well my sister was working in a cafe and she sort of showed me the ropes on how I could be a barista and I'm actually not a bad barista. I've had oh. a career if I if I if I do decide to give racing away. But yeah, it was just honestly it was great just to not have to do anything, be anywhere and just spend time with friends and family and, and I told everyone I'd come back better and, and no one kinda of believed it. I was adamant. I said, Nah, I'll definitely come back better, I'm telling you. And yeah. um yeah, and I did and, and it was all because I was just I just needed a break. It, it, you certainly have, and it's a wonderful achievement. It's a, a real show of resilience. And now you've given yourself up um, at track work. Everyone can hit you up for the cappuccinos. B. Stow, the barista. It's outstanding. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't go just too bad. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. What's next, Brooke? Um, you, you're based uh, – do you live in the Hunter Valley somewhere? Where are you based? Yeah, look, I'm based out of Tamworth at the moment, um, which is a really nice place. Um, it's very central, very central. I can get within – you know, within five hours, even five and a half back to, you know, six to Brisbane. So, yeah, it's a central location. Um, and, and I think that's what you need when you're, when you're this busy. You need somewhere where, where a home base isn't too far from everywhere. Absolutely. And, and you cover plenty of miles. You've had uh, a stack of race rides again this season. I think you've ridden 836 horses this season going on the stats on Racing New South Wales. And that's spread over a, a lot of kilometres. How many Ks would you do in the car? Per season, could you put a figure on it? Oh, I, I can't really give you too much of a figure. I um, I, I get rid of my cars pretty quick. Trust me. I bet <laughs> the last the last one, um, you know, Mazda BT fifties. I love them. So you know, <laughs> thanks to you know Tamworth um, for supplying me. They love me. They give me good deals. So uh, no, it's uh, yeah, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'm up to. I've just got a new one, and then I've had it probably eight weeks. Oh, probably a bit longer, and I've done twenty and a half thousand. So <laughs> that's what some people do in a year. <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's crazy. If you, if you worry too much about it, you, you wouldn't do it. I tell you, even even eight hundred rides is a lot of horses, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is, and it's it's been fantastic to hear about your path uh, to the saddle. We all come from different walks of life, and we've all done different things. But um, I think all of us in this industry share that. Uh, love for what we do and um, Brooke it's been a real pleasure to have you on Monday's Experts today on Sky Sports Radio. Thanks Heath Luke I really appreciate your time.